church family, and uh, I hope you've enjoyed the service thus far and that uh, song that we've just sung uh, or listened to together. We're uh, going to be looking into our um, journey into 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians today. So if you've got your Bibles there, you can uh, crack them open. And um, before I, uh, we start looking into that, what I thought I'd do is just share a bit about um, uh, something that I've just started doing recently uh, because of lockdown, which I, I'd never thought that I'd uh, do. But uh, I've decided to start writing letters um, once a week to the Hurstbridge campus. And uh, it's been quite an enjoyable thing, challenging, stretching. Um, but part of me has been inspired for a few things. Of course, I wouldn't have done it if we weren't in lockdown. But I wanted to write to express my heart to um, uh, the people who I'm shepherding and leading and serving. Um, each of you are very dear to me. And uh, I wanted to do something that um, is not just uh, a media thing um, with lots of visual and interactive. We're getting a lot of time on Zoom and uh, all sorts of things, um, but something that you can just take and sit and read and mull over and chew on, and it gives um, sort of spiritual sustenance and vitality. And so um, as I've been doing this, it's been uh, yeah, an enjoyable experience just sort of learning and, and figuring out how to write, how to express my heart through uh, a written form. And uh, yeah, as we come uh, today to uh, the first letter of Thessalonians, it's a good example of um, the Apostle Paul doing this. And um, what I thought would be really a great thing to do, actually, before we start and dive into the book, is just to give a, a bit of context as to how the book came about. So we're going to um, look, last week we had Acts in Three Minutes. Stu uh, brought that to us, which is a, a great little segment. We're going to spend actually a bit of time just having a very big picture overview, a bit more detailed than three minutes uh, of Acts, um, but we're going to do a very big overview of uh, Paul's journey and how he came to be writing uh, the letter to the Thessalonians. So it starts actually in the, the city of Antioch or the town of Antioch uh, where Paul was. And um, at a certain point, the Holy Spirit um, tells them to set apart Paul and Barnabas um, for a particular ministry. And they're sent out and they begin this first journey um, being sent out and taking the gospel. And they do that and return back to Antioch after some time and they report all these wonderful things. And what happens is, um, and the church in Antioch were already doing this, they were proclaiming the gospel to the Gentiles, um, to non-Jewish people. And Paul and Barnabas continued to do, to do this during their time um, in this uh, journey after being sent out. And uh, many Gentiles come to faith. So they return to Antioch and at Antioch, they explained to the church what happened, the miracles that God did, the way that people came to faith, the way that he worked, the challenges and the trials they faced, but how the gospel continued to go forth in the midst of that persecution. And uh, what happened around this time is there were more and more Gentiles coming into the faith. There was a bit of a, a, a challenge for the church and a decision had to be made because there are uh, members of the church um, at that point who were calling for the Gentiles to be circumcised and to obey the law of Moses. So what the church did, they all gathered at Jerusalem and uh, Paul and Barnabas, uh, accompanied by a few other people, went down to Jerusalem from Antioch and there they um, had this big discussion and they talked about should we um, make uh, the Gentiles be circumcised and obey the law of Moses? And the conclusion was, you'll be pleased to know, that we don't have to be circumcised because <laughs> uh, we uh, received a gospel of faith, not by works. And that's the conclusion they reached. And so what they did then was they sent um, Paul and Barnabas back to report 
this decision to the Gentiles who had come to faith. So they gave them a letter and what they did uh, to make sure that it was on the authority uh, of the church uh, there in Jerusalem, they sent along a couple of men with that letter who were of good standing um, in the church in Jerusalem. And one of those men uh, was called Silas. So they returned with this company back up to Antioch and they give this letter and read it out. And uh, after reading it out and explaining, okay, the, the Gentiles, they don't have to be circumcised, um, just uh, uphold faith and, and there was a few things. You can read more about that in Acts chapter 15. After that period of time, um, Paul and Barnabas say, we should go again. We should be going again and encouraging the churches uh, that we've already begun to see the Lord uh, grow uh, throughout the regions that we've went, uh, been to. But at this point, they have a, a disagreement and uh, Paul and Barnabas disagree over if they should take uh, Mark. And uh, they disagree so much so that they part company and Barnabas goes with Mark and Paul wants to also go. And so what he does is he takes Silas with him, the man who accompanied uh, Jerusalem, from Jerusalem that letter out to Antioch. So Paul and Silas begin their journey. Um, and uh, what I've done is actually prepared a little map uh, thanks to the BibleJourney.org. I was looking for just a simple map uh, that we could use and uh, I hope you enjoy. Kids, if you'd like, uh, while we're watching, you can uh, try and draw this map um, or even pause it later and, and it will give you a good picture into where Paul travelled um, and Silas during this time. But in this map, um, you will see that they start out, Paul and Silas, in Antioch, and then they travel to the region of Galatia. And this is an area where Paul and Barnabas had already been. And uh, in that region, um, they go to two cities, Derb and Lystra, and uh, they come across uh, a man called Timothy. And uh, Timothy then begins to accompany Paul and Silas further along the journey. And they continue to travel west. And again, it's all about proclaiming the gospel and encouraging those who are already believers. That's their journey and purpose. And they try and, uh, as they're traveling west, they want to go into an area called Asia, uh, Asia Minor. And so they, they try and go south into Asia Minor, but it says the Holy Spirit prevented them from going. So they then try and turn north and go into a region called Bithynia. And do you know what happens again? The Holy Spirit prevents them again from going. <laughs> That's quite a remarkable thing. I've never received a letter from a missionary overseas saying the Holy Spirit prevented me from preaching the gospel here. <laughs> but this is exactly what the scriptures say. The Holy Spirit prevented these men from going into that region and they are obedient to the Holy Spirit. So they continue traveling further west, Paul, Silas and Timothy, and they wind up on a port city called Troas. And while there, one night, Paul actually receives a vision and a dream. And in this vision, there's a man from a region called Macedonia. And the man is calling out to Paul and says, come and help us. And so Paul wakes up and he's, he said, we, the Lord must be calling us to go to Macedonia. We can't go into Asia. He's prevented us from going into Bithynia. We've now received this dream. Let's go to Macedonia. And so they travel to what is now modern day Europe and to the region of Macedonia. And there's three cities in Macedonia uh, that uh, the book of Acts major on. Uh, one is Philippi, the other is Thessalonica, which uh, is of course uh, the letter that we're gonna be looking at. And the third is Berea. And so these are the Macedonian people um, in this region. So they travel from Troas to Macedonia and they arrive and uh, one of the first major cities they come to is Philippi. Now, of course, you'll be familiar with Philippi. Um, there are 
two main converts that uh, we learn about. One is uh, Lydia, who comes to faith. And uh, shortly after Lydia's conversion, um, Paul and Silas are thrown into prison. Uh, due to a series of circumstances. And while in prison, uh, the Lord shakes the jail. Uh, it, the ground trembles. Uh, really late at night, uh, Paul and Silas are ringing it and they're singing at night, uh, giving praise to God, and the ground shakes. The jailer enters and he's about to kill himself because he thinks all the prisoners have gone. And uh, Paul and, and Silas uh, then uh, share with him the gospel and uh, he comes to faith and, and his whole family. And uh, they then leave Philippi and they travel to Thessalonica. And uh, what I'm going to do now is read directly from Acts chapter 17, verse 1 to 9, just um, Paul's uh, experience of his time in Thessalonica um, as they proclaim the gospel there. So if you've got your Bibles, you can open up and read along, and we'll see what happens. Now, when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica. There was a synagogue of the Jews... And Paul went in, as was his custom, and on three days he reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead, and saying, This Jesus, whom I proclaim to you, is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a great many of the devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women. But the Jews were jealous, and taking some wicked men of the rabble, they formed a mob, set the city in an uproar, and attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring them out to the crowd. And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, These men have turned the world upside down, have come here also, and Jason has received them, and they are all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, Jesus. And the people and the city authorities were disturbed when they heard these things. And when they had taken money as a security from them, uh, from Jason and the rest, they let them go. And so Paul then um, immediately, uh, by night, leaves the, the region of, uh, of the city of Thessalonica. It's quite an intense account. But, uh, yeah, we're going to continue on to just to give you more context to how the actual letter came about. But that was Paul's time in Thessalonica. Just three weeks, three Sabbath days he was there. So uh, he travels from Thessalonica and comes to another Macedonian city, which is Berea. And uh, in the city of Berea, um, as is uh, well known, uh, the scriptures describe the Bereans as more noble. The Jews there, they were more noble because they searched the scriptures daily to see if what Paul was saying was true. And then something very remarkable happens, very um, almost disturbing, actually. Um, the Jews from Thessalonica hear that Paul is proclaiming the gospel to the Bereans. And so they travel to Berea from Thessalonica. Now, this is about 75 k's away, roughly. I had a look on Google Maps, these two cities. That's the equivalent from Eltham or Hurstbridge out to Marysville, right? That's how far the distance between Thessalonica and Berea. So Paul's travelled from Thessalonica to Berea and he's going to proclaim the gospel there. And once the Jews in Thessalonica find out, they travel all the way there. And this isn't like you just travelling out to Marysville for a day trip. That would take you an hour in a car. They didn't have cars back then. 
Um, again, I had a look on, on Google Maps and um, it looks like it would have been about 15 hours on foot or if they had maybe something a bit quicker like a bike, wouldn't have been a bike, but maybe, you know, another cart or form of transport, it maybe would have been five hours. So these people travelled at least a day, maybe two days journey to get from Thessalonica to Berea and then once there, they form a mob again and drive Paul out of the town. And so he flees again from them. Those are pretty passionate Jews in Thessalonica there. Again, think about this is the context that Paul is writing into. So Paul then leaves Berea and he goes down to Athens. This is now, he's outside of Macedonia. He's in the region of uh, Achaia, uh, modern day Greece. And at Athens, um, he proclaims the gospel there. Um, he's on his own. Um, Silas and Timothy uh, remain in Berea at this point. And then from Athens, he goes on to Corinth. And uh, early on in his time at Corinth, he goes into the synagogue, as was his custom, and uh, in the synagogue he's proclaiming the gospel, but the Jews there also become very resistant. And so he, he says, I'm going to go now and proclaim the gospel to the Gentiles. And uh, what the Lord does at that point is he gives him another vision or a dream at night, and he speaks to Paul and says to him, I have many people in this city. I want you to stay here remain here. And so Paul does. He's obedient to that. And he stays there for 18 months, a year and a half. And during this time, as I'm sure you could imagine, his heart is thinking about the people in Thessalonica over this 18-month period. And this bubbles up within him and gives him cause to write the letters to the Thessalonians during this period. And I want to ask you this question. If you were Paul, what would you write to the Thessalonians? Think about it. Think about all that he's been through. You know, he's been on all these sort of uh, journeys around proclaiming the gospel. He's worked hard. Um, he's fought for uh, a gospel of faith, not of works. Um, you know, he's sought out Silas and Timothy. He's worked with Barnabas. And, and then during this time, he's gone and proclaimed in Thessalonica. And he was there just for three weeks. That's amazing. You think about that. That's short-term mission, being somewhere for three weeks and proclaiming the gospel. What did he do? Well, he, um, some of the factors that were at play there um, were um, the leading women. Maybe they were under pressure um, to renounce their faith. You think about Jason. He was a, a believer for less than three weeks. He had a mob arrive at his house. He was taken before a court and had to pay a bond. Many of us, we've been believers for three years or more, and that would be hard for us. What about being a believer for three weeks and having that happen? You've got those passionate Jews there who are riotous and, and against the faith, and the local authorities are not giving the believers much protection either. How are you going to write to them? Well, let's turn to 1 Thessalonians and have a look. I'm just going to read uh, the first uh, few verses of the book. And uh, it makes more sense of how Paul, uh, when he writes to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians, he talks about, I face daily among all the other trials the pressure of the anxiety that I have for the churches or my, out of my care for them. So verse uh, 1 to 3 of Thessalonians, Paul writes this. Paul, Silvanus and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, Grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly remembering you, remembering you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labour of love 
and the steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, just briefly on this passage, um, on, on verse 1, I'll say, sorry. Um, Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy. Silvanus um, is another name that Silas had uh, that he was known by. So it's these three men, and uh, they're down again in Corinth at this point in time. And notice as well, he writes to you, grace and peace. This is one of the um, common greetings that is given. You have a look throughout the letters. You'll either find it often at the start or at the finish. You'll find it in Peter, even in uh, Second and uh, Third John, I believe. Um, so it's a common greeting. But if you think about it, the grace of God and the peace of God is what these men are desiring for the other believers. And it's a great thing to, to desire for one another. But he goes on and he talks about how he has great thanks that he gives towards God in this constant fashion for the Thessalonians. And there's these three things that he brings in remembrance as he prays and he gives thanks to God for the Thessalonian church. And he mentions them in verse 3. A work of faith, a labour of love and a steadfastness of hope. And he would have seen them, that in these people there. And as I've been reflecting on this passage, I've been thinking, you know what? I've seen these characteristics in our church here at the Vine, and I praise God for that. I've seen a, a work of faith, a labour of love, and a steadfastness of hope. I've seen it when people have uh, gone into cross-cultural mission, or they've sent others out into cross-cultural mission in a labour of love, um, uh, sorry, in a work of faith that has been a, a stretching for them. It's been a challenge, but they've gone out um, against odds and things that they would much rather not uh, let go of, but they've done that in a work of faith. I've seen a labour of love through people giving generously in this church. Um, I've been the recipient um, uh, years back uh, of gifts um, uh, financially. I've seen others uh, give financially and uh, I've um, known of probably my time since being at this church, hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, has been given. Glory to God, you know, that is a labour of love there. And then the time, hours and hours of people going above and beyond to serve, to care, to look out, go, look out for one another, going the extra mile. This is a labour of love and I have seen it in this church and I thank God for that. Uh, another thing I've seen is a steadfastness of hope. I've seen people um, holding on to their faith in times of difficulty when they've been challenged, when they've been, um, yeah, hurt or, or going through hard times. I've seen people hold on to their faith and had a, have a steadfastness of hope. And I've seen these characteristics. But just like we've just gone through this um, broad overview into how the letter to the Thessalonians came about, I want to take us now on a little journey just over the last three years in the life of our church to um, help us to realise the context of where we are at as a church in our faith. In 2018, we made a decision as, as a church to plant a campus in Hurstbridge. That is a significant undertaking. There are not many churches in the city of Melbourne who have been planting churches or campuses over this period of time. In 2019, uh, we underwent a severe division uh, as a church body. Um, for those of you who are a part of that, it was a difficult time, very strenuous and um, uh, very challenging. That's not a common thing. Um, and not many churches, again, in Melbourne will have gone through something like that. 
Now in 2020, um, we have this season of coronavirus, we're unable to meet. Um, I'm doing this recording in front of some cameras. You know, you're there at home sitting, it, we can't be together. This is such a unique circumstance again. But think about those three things compounded in the life of our church over the last uh, few years. We are going through some significant times of um, various trials, challenges, um, and joys in the midst of that, absolutely. And as I um, think about these things, I think about you, and there's a part of me um, that fears for you during this time, for some of you at least. I fear for your faith and where you're at. I fear because I wonder, given all of this time and uh, challenge that we've gone through, and especially now, this season that we're in um, is, a, is a difficult season, uh, being distant and not being able to be around one another to really share what we're, um, how we're going and, and the challenges that we're facing. And I fear for some of you, for your faith, if I'm honest, and I want to be honest with you, I fear about where you're at and my desires for you. Um, and Paul had this same thing. Uh, you can read in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 5. He said to the Thessalonians this, For this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labour would be in vain. And this is why I fear as well. I fear for your faith. Not that I'm doubting or questioning every single person, but I think, you know, there are some of us who are a bit weaker in the faith or some of us who are undergoing more trial or finding this season difficult or who are feeling uh, more disconnected or whatever it might be. And for those of you, I fear... I wonder how you're doing and I find it hard because I can't be around you or hear or listen or get close to you as I normally would be used to. And I experience uh, probably a similar, you know, anxiety that Paul had. It's different. We're in a different place and different time, but I relate to him. And so I wanted to give, uh, no matter where you're at, a a word of encouragement from 1 Thessalonians. If you're feeling in a a place of weakness in your faith or if you're feeling in a place of strength, but know that there is support around you. And if you're feeling like you're starting to just really struggle, you know, we're going into deeper uh, stage of restriction, stage four than we have ever been so far in this journey. Um, You know, you might be experiencing more financial hardship or or whatever it might be. I, I don't know. But please, if you're feeling that you're struggling, then stick your hand up, call out, let someone know. I've said that many times before and I'm going to say it again. I don't want to tire of it and I'm going to continue to call that out because of that fear that I have for you. And I'm being encouraged to hear that many of you are doing well and you are thriving and I praise God for that. Continue to do so. But let me read two um, verses in closing um, from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. For those who are feeling like they're struggling, it's a bit of a harder season at the moment. Meditate on this verse. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. And for those of you who are feeling like this season is, uh, you're doing all right, you're traveling well in your faith, praise God. Let me read this uh, to you. This is 1 Thess- uh, Thessalonians chapter 5, uh, verse 11. 
Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Continue to look out for other people and serve them and love them. Well, I hope I've whet your appetite for First Thessalonians. Continue to have a look through it. And uh, yeah, we're looking forward to what's to come in, uh, as we delve into this book together. The Lord bless you. <laughs>